Hi, I'm Caroline. And I'm Adrian. And this is Scandal Sheets. Welcome to Scandal Sheets, the podcast that explores the scandals of the past along with the places and the people associated with it. I am your host, Caroline. And I'm your host, Adrian. And I cannot believe I totally remembered that intro because it's been forever. It has been a while. I know, like... I think it was September. Right, yeah. We are very bad podcasters. Actually, Caroline's well, a very bad podcaster. We so. have, well, you have a reason. Yeah, yeah. So I started graduate school, and it turns out that it, it's actually kind of... hard. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like hard as in content. It's just a lot to juggle. It's time-consuming. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. It's time-consuming. Yeah. I'm doing all my reading for that, and I'm doing it online, which... People look down on online school, but it's way harder than being in class. I would have some weeks where I had readings and then I was supposed to post discussions and respond to people and turn in papers and it was just, I was losing my mind. So I'm not sure I thought that an online program would ever be a challenge because you kind of do it at your own pace and you don't show up for class the way that you know, you traditionally think of showing up for a class. But I guess they're still at the same, like, do you still have them on certain days at certain times? Or do you just, like, how, how do you do that? Are the lectures pre-recorded? There's not really lectures. At least my t- teachers didn't do lectures. It oh. was, they. there would be, at the beginning of each unit, there would be an introduction, basically a written lecture yeah. from them. Yeah. And then there would be additional reading assignments and Typically, you had to post a answer to a question, like they would pose a question every week, and you had to post that by Wednesday at midnight, and then you would have to answer three of your classmates' comments by Sunday at midnight. And then, of course, on top of that, you would have like, or every other week, we'd have a component of our projects that were due. And so I have another quarter online. And then starting in March, I will actually be going to class. So I'm hoping to get back into podcasting full time. Mm -hmm. Because you go back when? I go back in the middle of January. And our goal is to do four. Yes. Well, at least three. We have a trilogy, so yeah, let's go, let's go ahead and get like to that. that. Yeah, I think that's a good goal that we can make. Yeah, so <laughs> we're starting tonight a trilogy on the Singer family, as in the Singer sewing machines. And I had always just kind of read things about Isaac Merritt Singer, who... I knew nothing. Yeah, I kind of just... I'd read little bits and pieces, but I had never fully explored the story. Mm-hmm. And holy crap. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What little I read, I was just like, I'm leaving this to Caroline because I can't <laughs> deal with the like number of children and wives and family members. And it's it's pretty insane. It really is. That's enough of an introduction for you on, on today. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. You will quickly find out that Isaac Singer is not a Louis Kahn. He, I don't know, I think he was probably a borderline sociopath because he just didn't really. Yeah. Yeah. He is far from Luke. And I mean, Luke Kahn, so Singer had the women, he was married to multiples at the same time. And Lou at least went from one to the next. Right, yeah. yeah. Sorry, spoiler alert, but yeah. Sorry. There 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 were multiple multiple women at the same time. He was he was definitely passing it around. So let's get started. Isaac Merritt Singer was born on October twenty seventh, eighteen eleven in Pittstown, New York. Now that's just the pits. No. <laughs> Is that to, a real place? Because I had never heard of it. I saw I mean, Pit- not that I'm an expert on Yeah, I saw Pittstown, I saw Oswego I saw a random Native American sounding name that started with an S that I'm not even going to try to pronounce. So he was born somewhere in New York. Okay. (laughs) And he was one of seven children born to his parents, Adam and Ruth Singer, who actually divorced in 1821. So I thought that was rather interesting. 
to be that early on. So the the father actually remarried and moved to the Lake Ontario area, okay. and Isaac was sent to live with his older brother. Now, initially, he was apprenticed as a lathe operator. Oh. I had to look that one up. Yeah, so woodworking. Yeah. He also learned the printing trade, and while he was working with this, he invented a machine to carve type blocks. Okay. Because, you know, when you're printing back then, you would have to set the machine with all the little... Yeah, typeface. Yeah. Yeah. So he apparently invented a machine that could make these things, and then it was lost in a fire, so... There you go. Oh, no. Uh, he definitely was not one for education. He had very minimal schoolroom education. Yeah. It was very much kind of an on-the-job training, yeah. which Learning probably... doing. Yeah, probably not that, not, not that odd for the early 19th century. So, he did have a predisposition towards the stage. So, he took off and joined a traveling troupe of actors in his teens. Wow. <laughs> he initially built the scenery for productions and then occasionally filled in when they were short on actors. So somewhere around this time, it was about 1830, he married his first wife, Catherine Haley. And it sounded like they maybe had traveled around together, but the acting troupe fell apart soon after that and mm-hmm. so he had to go back to kind of hard labor he worked as an excavator for a while and apparently invented a machine to excavate rock but he couldn't find any interested investors to invest the money so is he kind of a genius or is he improving on something that already existed well that's where we're, we'll okay. get with the okay. with the sewing machine well, I knew, yeah okay it's, yeah, and I, I think people focus more on the sewing sh- machine and not his other inventions, well, so I yeah, kind of do funny, wonder. Yeah, it's funny, because it wasn't the Singer Sewing Company, it was the Singer Manufacturing Company. Right. He eventually just sold the prototype for this machine for $2,000, which actually is nothing. That sounds like a lot of money. Yeah, then, for yeah, the 1830s, yeah. it would yeah. have been. Yeah, yeah. By 1837, he had two children with his wife, Catherine, and decided it was time to hit the road as an actor again, so he basically just took off and left them and uh when he was in a theater in baltimore doing a play he looked out and saw a beautiful 18 year old girl of course he did in in the in the crowd was she an actress or a chorus girl no she was not (laughs) she seemed to be just a random person who happened to just be at the play watching it her name was marianne spousler which is pretty ironic when we get further on down into this they took up with each other and moved back to new york city and he promised that he would marry her as soon as he got a divorce and around the same time he had i guess a formal falling out with his legal wife yeah Catherine. catherine yeah and i'm assuming that they kind of decided to just live separately at that time so she would have seen much of him anyway i know exactly so he had her over there he's now with marianne and they decide to hit the road together as actors they Basically lived in a one-horse wagon on the road. No thanks. Going from small town to small town, pretending to be Mr. and Mrs. Merritt, and uh, giving performances at churches, which I found rather ironic. really funny. <laughs> By 1850, so nearly 13 years of basically being dirt poor, living yeah. on the road in this wagon, they ended up in Chicago. And now they also had eight children Probably by this time. Probably took that long to get to Chicago. Right? In a wagon. <laughs> with eight kids from new york yeah <laughs> right 13 years eight children that's not even i mean were any of them twins i don't know i'd have to look at the the dates again i don't yeah. think they were though they were literally like a year two years a year two uh-huh. years so very close together and now, wait so the eight so he had two yep with Catherine, and then he had, had eight just, with the same woman yeah with marianne spotsler sure. eight so far rather <laughs> As we've kind of seen, Singer was more predisposed towards wanting to make money as opposed to being truly invested in inventing things. He would pick up on stuff that he thought he could improve upon and then, you know, hopefully it would make money and it never did. But finally, in Chicago, he invented a reaping machine initially. Reaping? Yeah. So like, like um, our agricultural? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Then he also invented a sewing machine. He didn't invent 
sewing machine. But wait, yeah. The sewing machine had been around since the 18th century. And, and it was invented not, well, it was in uh, England or France. Yeah, no. I read I read that. I feel like it was England. It was famously unreliable. Mm-hmm. And in fact, Singer called it a, quote, contemptible little, little machine. machine yeah. yeah. But he knew which way the wind was blowing because yeah. they were starting to show up in tailor shops and they were, you know, they were sure. starting to reduce some of the repetitive work. And he knew he could do it better. Right. So he literally created a better sewing machine by borrowing a bunch of improvements that had been designed by other people. So is that theft? I don't but think... he's just taking yeah. it and then putting together, like, you're not stealing... Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, so basically what happened with that was he hooked up with Edward Clark, who was a marketing genius, and boom, money started falling from the sky, but then so did the lawsuits. All the people who had invented all those little parts came out of the woodwork and started suing them. And it took several years, but they basically settled them all by royalties. They said, you know, for every part we use, you know, you'll get a percentage, which was probably only pennies at the time. So with all this settled, Singer could finally focus on other things like moving to New York and impregnating more women. Yep. Is he still being an actor, or he's like totally beyond that? Yeah, I think he's 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 kind of out of the he acting phase of his life. Yeah, <laughs> he's playing some kind of part. Yeah, maybe, maybe not that was as where an actor he getting paid for it. Right, but... he was getting fulfilled in his private life <laughs> by right. acting. So this is 1850. Singer and his quote unquote wife Marianne set up house on Fifth Avenue because they're multimillionaires by now. Sure. You're probably wondering what happened to the real Mrs. Singer. Well, Catherine. Yes. Yeah. She'd been banished to Brooklyn, which sounds like a pretty horrible thing. Banished? Yeah. I mean... By whom? I guess him. He just said, hey, go to Brooklyn and live with the hipsters and... I'll no, pay your way. There were no hipsters were not, in the 1850s? No, there were not. Well, Victorian hipsters. Yeah. Probably. Steampunk they people. They had great mustaches. That's true. And rode penny farthings. Yes, but yes. no man buns. Possibly. Maybe not. I don't know what was under those hats. Yeah, that's an excellent point. So, finally, after 30 years of marriage, 24 of those years he actually spent separated from Catherine. He sued her for divorce based on her adultery with another man. I, <laughs> I was, was like, really the audacity of this guy. This this guy's definitely not winning any awards for humanity. Mm. And basically, I think the way that came was handled was Edward Clark, his partner, was very concerned with appearances and was very concerned about Singer's ongoing situation with his quote-unquote wives. Yeah. So by this point in time, he'd, 20, he'd, he'd been with Marianne for 20 24 years. So they were officially common law husband and wife. So Edward, I think, thought this divorce will go through. I can, you know, they can get married and everything will be copacetic. Catherine was paid off. She was given a $10,000 alimony or settlement or whatever to accept these terms. And she was like, okay. Yeah. (laughs) I think really, yeah, they said basically she had been getting a monthly stipend from Singer anyway and knew that it would go away if she said no. So it was kind of being forced into it. If that wasn't enough fun for you, here's where (laughs) it really gets going. Marianne, of course, was now his common law wife. Mm -hmm. So she thinks I'm going to finally get the ring after 24 years. Oh. I was like, because do they get married now or no? Well, one day she's out riding in her carriage when she spots her husband, quote unquote, in a carriage with another woman. So apparently there was quite the public confrontation. She like stood up and started screaming at them and just attracting a lot of ten- attention. It is New York, so I'm visualizing like a Jersey Shore club brawl <laughs> or something it, with yeah. carriages. Yeah. Yeah. And clubs. Literal clubs. Yeah, and clubs. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> yes. Billy clubs. Boom, boom, Billy clubs, yeah. <laughs> the day after this public spat, Marianne had Singer arrested for beating and choking her. So oh. this apparently happened the night of the confrontation. And Singer was placed, quote, under orders to keep the peace. So I don't, I'm a restraining order? Uh, I'm not really quite sure what that means. It sounded like he got off really easy. And in fact, he did one better and decided to leave for Europe, which his, you know, partners were like, you know, you probably should get out of the public eye right now. <laughs> Go away. We've known other men that have done that. Taken off. off to Europe. Yeah. Just, yeah. 
Yeah, they have a tendency to do that for some reason. They do. He takes off for Europe, but he's not alone, of course. So you see, the woman in the carriage was a woman by the name of Mary McGonagall. And she originally worked in his Philadelphia office of the singer company. She wasn't the one he took to Europe with him. Oh, no. He actually took her sister, Kate. No. Yes. Were they both on the, they were both in the carriage? No, they weren't. Oh, no. she was. Yeah, she was, and Singer Wait, was. So how did he meet the sister? So, this is where... She was like, here, this is my sister. I know, yeah. <laughs> Here's a peace offering for you. No. They settled near the Singer Company's London office and lived there for a year. And that year, the shit hits the fan in New York City. So, it turns out that in addition to the former wife in Brooklyn, the common law wife, Marianne, on Fifth Avenue, and Mary McGonagall, who he had set up in a house on Christopher Street and they lived as Mr. and Mrs. Matthews with their five children. They're five in addition. Like where are the other where are all the other kids now? They're with their respective mothers. Okay, so he has five more. Yes, with a whole new woman. So we're at two plus eight plus, plus five. five plus more? Or this is it? Well, no, for he now. Total, in total had 11 children with Marianne. So 11 plus two is 13 oh, plus no. five is 18. Mm. So he was living on Christopher Street. I'm thinking, li- I'm really trying to figure out how he worked this out. Yeah, because they're close <laughs> to each other. Like they live. I mean, they're all in, in they're all in Manhattan. Sure. Yeah, or well, in New York, city. rather. Yeah. So he's living on Christopher Street with... With Mary, their five children, and Mary's sister Kate. So he was keeping it in the family. So then, on top of all that, it came out that he was also supporting another woman named Mary Walters. I think he had a thing for Mary's. I've already lost. Yeah, we have Mary and yeah. Mary and Mary. Yeah. I guess it made it easy. You know, <laughs> you never so. have to worry about saying, saying the, wrong the wrong name, name. right? Mm-hmm. He'd set her and their daughter up in a house on West 27th Street. So, yes. By 1860, he's supporting four families and 18, 19 children and are kind of like confused. It because of all, the all this money. money, right. Exactly. I feel like we need a singer family map of Manhattan <laughs> with locate, like, yeah. family, like, Brooklyn in, in the room. <laughs> right, in different colors. Like, <laughs> the families have, are a color, and then the offices are colors, and yeah. Look for that, folks. The I might, sing- I might draw us a little map. New York. Yeah, a singer map of New York coming to Instagram. He does come back eventually. And that's when Marianne Common Law, that's what I'm going to start calling, sure. calling them by their Common like, Law, sure. Marianne Common Law decided that enough was enough, and so she sued Singer for divorce. Okay. And I'm not even sure how, I'm not even sure the logistics of this. Because she wasn't married. And then they're not legally married, so but she's still suing him for divorce. And initially he said, okay, if you'll go away, I'll pay $8,000 a year in alimony. Which actually her lawyer said, take the money and run. But she was out for blood and said no. She wanted more. Yeah, and so she refused it. And I guess as a good gesture of goodwill, he bought her a house and was paying her $50 a week in alimony, but she was still driving it hard. But then she had to go and ruin it by marrying a guy <laughs> secretly. And so Why she, couldn't she just wait? I know, right? And this was like around 1863. Well, the following year, she was living in the house that Singer bought her along with one of their daughters who had was now old enough to be married to a singer company employee. And she had she said she suffered a fall and thought she was dying. And so she confessed to the daughter that she had married this other guy. And, of course, the daughter felt honor-bound to go tell her husband. Singer turns around and files a suit of bigamy against Mary Ann. <laughs> When he himself right, clearly... Yeah. But he was like, I guess he figured, if you're going to pretend to be my wife and sue me for divorce, then I can pretend you're my wife and you married somebody else and I can sue you for well, bigamy. Okay. So, yeah. Oh. They eventually, or rather, Marianne eventually abandoned the suit. So, she, she lost out big time on there. Mm. She got a house out of it, basically. So, by this time, Singer's name was pretty much just dragged through the mud and his partner, Edward Clark, was over it. And so, the two dissolved their 
partnership in the company and then formed the Singer Manufacturing Corporation. And they both had large stakes in the new company, but were no longer involved in the day-to-day operations. So basically, Singer retired and Clark went on to do other things. So is Clark the president? No, I mean, he was just done, but they, they did a... I mean, they were basically on the board of directors, and so they elect... Got it. Presidents, vice presidents, okay. that sort of thing. And okay. so I think that is where you come in. So the Little Singer building is at 561 Broadway, and it actually is L-shaped. There was a theater already on site that was torn down to accommodate this new building. So there is a facade on Broadway and then also one on Prince Street. It's Art Nouveau in style, and it's the predecessor to the Beaux-Arts style, Singer headquarters, the extreme high-rise that actually held the world record as the tallest building when it was completed in 1908. And the architect, whose name is Ernest Flagg, designed both of them, which I found very interesting. The Little Singer building was 12 stories, and it's definitely more approachable scale wise it fits in the the streetscape and also aesthetically like it just looks like something that you kind of gravitate towards it's not so imposing obviously it's not a 47 story building which is what the the singer a building headquarters yeah singer headquarters initially yeah. being you know was and it was basically a knockoff of madison square garden at least the one that we talked about kind of yeah it did have a tower like there was the tall component and the shorter component which i can also touch on on one of our next episodes about singer because it is, it is worth discussing columbia university their online archive has the entire it's almost like a spec book that but there are these beautiful construction photographs of the Singer Tower and you know it talks about the materials and construction methods and it's very cool so Mm. that I mean you could almost devote an entire episode or two just to the Singer Tower because it was very significant and no longer there and no longer there (laughs) yeah so that's another point that I may as well talk about now but the New York the landmark I don't know exactly what it was called the landmarks preservation law that was passed in 1965 sort of as a response to the demolition of Penn Station the landmarks preservation Commission protects 24,000 structures in New York City. There's 85 historic districts, so you're including Brooklyn, Greenwich, like everywhere, not just the the peninsula. So it was the this landmark landmarks law was very impactful, but there still obviously, as any big city, have been losses even since it was passed in 1965. So, and those losses include Flag's 1908 Singer Building. It was demolished in 1967, and the AIA Guide to New York City calls it the greatest loss since Penn Station. Wow! Which, if you see the pictures, it there's there's a reason that they that they said that the detail. It's it's just amazing, but you know every city has those. So Little Singer is kind of it really stands out. It looks much more kind of European. You don't see Art Nouveau in the in the states a whole lot. It it came over but not really in the same way as like Hector Guimard who designed the Paris the Paris the Metro oh, Metro the yeah. Metropolitan subway stops with the you know the green kind of very sinewy kind of ironwork and in the colors and that's it was very kind of flowery Plant, yeah plant like so i know that we we've touched on you know between Madison Square Garden and what was white's the Sanford White house uh, uh, <laughs> anyway Astor, Astor Court, Court. Yeah. i knew it was court okay so these are you know this is beaux art style but since it's not as as uh, um, prevalent here. A lot of people are not familiar with, with Art Nouveau. So there are a few things about the style to remember. I just I just mentioned the fluidity and playfulness of Art Nouveau. So it's, it's the opposite of kind of what one would think of as modernism. Although, so Art Nouveau is considered a, mo- a modern movement in architecture. Right. But a lot of people think oh, modern, and you think it's very stark and rectilinear, and that's that's just not at all what Art Nouveau was about, and for, for good reason. It was a European romantic and anti-historical movement 
that began around 1890, or before that, I saw a reference to 1850, that seems early to me, but yeah. anyhow. The names the style was known as at the time are almost as fun, I think, as what it looks like. In Belgium, it was called the coup de fouet, or whiplash style, which makes perfect sense <laughs> when you really... see these vines, yeah. right, that kind of taper, that yeah. swirl, uh-huh, or the... Pa- Paling or paling? I don't know how to say this. I speak French, but this doesn't even look French to me. Or eel style. So however you say eel in French, that's what they would call it. The French may call it the nui or noodle style. (laughs) Nuiles, excuse me. And the Spanish referred to it as modernismo, which is like interesting that it's really just saying modernism, but modernismo. Other names for it were based on the designers and architects who proliferated the style. So, you know, Hector Guimar, I mentioned, and there were a couple other ones. Who was the Belgian one? What? Oh, shoot. I can tell you. Oh, Otto Wagner, they consider. Guimar's Castle Béranger, Metro Stations. Victor Horta. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. He was he was really well known. He built in Brussels. Mm. So I think there's a fair amount of extant Art Nouveau stuff both in Paris and yeah. Brussels. Yeah, Brussels, yeah. Okay, so breaking away from classicism and opposing the rise in mass-produced goods, Art Nouveau artists and architects embrace the curve everywhere, in windows and doors, balcony, and on the interior in lighting, finishes, and railings. This era of complete design was known as Gesamtkunstwerk, or the total work of art, indicating that ideally every surface should be considered when designing, which sounds like a very Wrightian principle, because he wanted to design everything, the container as well as the contained. Correct. Which, by that I mean both people and furniture. So this was kind of without being as pretentious, it's sort of the same idea. Art Nouveau may not have been quite as popular in this country, but there are still few notable examples in specifically in New York City, including the Little Singer building. This was the height of the Gilded Age when an emphasis on decoration and really on an excessive display of wealth was at the heart of the architecture scene. And we've talked about a lot of people who love to excessively display their wealth. Yes. (laughs) The Vanderbilts. And the Vanderbilts. And the Astors. <laughs> and the Astors. Mostly the Vanderbilts, though. <laughs> I, I would say that while both Art Nouveau and Beaux-Arts can be over the top, and I and you, you guys can all debate with me about this, but I feel like Art Nouveau is more restrained. I don't know. Like, there's just an elegance to Art Nouveau that I see Beaux-Arts and I'm like, oh my gosh, get over yourself. And when I see Art Nouveau, I just gravitate towards it. And I I just, it's also like, you can design an everyday object in an Art Nouveau style, Mm -hmm. but like, I don't want to see a Beaux-Arts chair because it probably looks like a throne. Like, an (laughs) Art Nouveau chair is beautiful. And to be completely honest... I would have to say that Art Nouveau is probably my favorite style. And I I do love deco, but I love some Art Nouveau. If it has art in front of it, I'm probably going to like it. I I, I would agree. Arts and crafts. Arts and crafts. Yeah, yeah. So, as I mentioned, Art Nouveau was very much about the curve. And while that may be an oversimplification, it's always the best way to visualize what buildings designed in that style look like. Popular works in Europe reflect a deliberate attempt to put an end to imitations of past styles. Art Nouveau, so whereas, right, Beaux-Arts builds on classicism. They're taking Ionic, they're taking Corinthian, they're just like sort of doing a mashup. And Art Nouveau is like, no, hold off on that. Like, we're going to do our own thing. It's Gaudi. Yes. Thank you. Gaudi is very, look him up. Art Nouveau. Yeah. Uh, so he was late. Odd for me. He's but... odd. So that's later. That's actually about the same time as the Little Singer, like Park Guell oh, okay, yeah. and Barcelona. Like there, it's late aughts, early nineteen teens. Okay. Popular works in Europe reflect a deliberate attempt to put an end to imitations of past styles. Art Nouveau designs used color, stained glass, terracotta, as we see on the Little Singer building, metal grills and balconies. Ditto. And even asymmetrical door and window frames. Well, how do I like that then? The little singer has regular door and window openings, and the facade has consistent bays and symmetry. Okay. But it's also an American interpretation, and specifically Flagg's interpretation of the style. Okay. So Flagg, Flagg returns to the US after being trained in Paris. He was the favorite architect of Alfred Corning Clark, who was the son of Isaac's partner. 
Edward, because you're a generation later. Yeah, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I was, I'm, no, you're fine. I'm having a mental and, um, flashback to a novel I just read with this, Corning Clark. Oh. The Singer Company president at the time, Frederick Bourne, also liked Flag, So he secured him to design the first company headquarters at Broadway and Liberty. Then Little Singer was designed in 1902... And the company moved in in 1905 after outgrowing the initial location. So this is all post, we know he dies. <laughs> yeah. Singer dies. Yes. Anyway. Not, so, after, with, with, not before. I, I don't know how. The earth. <laughs> right. Right. I actually, I don't know how. I do know where. But anyway, so this is, this is all after he dies. Flag was known for his use of avant-garde materials, interest in natural light, good ventilation, and unconventional treatment of the Beaux-Arts style, which is obviously what was going on in both the Little and Big Singer buildings, okay. I believe. Because when you look at the tower, it does it's, it's more refined than the Madison Square Garden tower. Okay, yeah. It looks more... Anyway, so Ernest Flagg's 90-year timeline encompassed numerous noteworthy world events, innovations, and tragedies. Born in Brooklyn in 1857, Flagg left school at 15 to work as an office boy on Wall Street, then worked with his father and brothers in real estate before helping architect, French architect Philippe Hubert design a co-op apartment building in 1880. Lucky for Flagg, and this is one in just a stream of beneficial moves in his life. Well, through, through no no thanks to him, like other people facilitated his, his luck. A cousin of his married well, and thanks to the patronage of Cornelius Vanderbilt, who is impressed by Flagg's first foray into design, this is the 1880 bit, was able to... Flagg was able to attend the École de Beaux-Arts in Paris from 1889 to 91. Another favorable match, this time by his... <laughs> One of Adrienne's cats is protesting vociferously. No, she is just very vocal. Okay. Another favorable match, this time by his sister. So Flagg's sister marries into the Scribner publishing family. Okay. So he then designs six buildings for them, all in Manhattan. All right, then. Flagg's talent wasn't limited to large-scale urban structures. And this I found the most interesting. He was also interested in producing modest homes affordable for the average American. After spending years creating functional designs and developing construction methods, a book he compiled was published in 1922. So this is, I said he was born in 1857. So he's 43. So he's like, this is like late in life. Okay, this is bad. Never open up Wikipedia while we're doing the podcast. because. Are you looking at flag? No, I'm just like Edward Clark built the Dakota. Oh, yeah. Okay, so right, but this is Isaac's partner, Edward, not the son. This is the first guy in the 18. Yeah, whatever. this is his partner. He built, apparently. Yeah. Okay. Funded the Dakota. That's interesting. Remind everyone what the Dakota is again. The Dakota is. Was. It's the one that was taken. No, it's still there. Oh, it's still there. No, that's where John John Lennon was gunned down outside the There was another one that was demolished. It's not the Dakota. Okay. Okay. So, anyway. Carry on. Sorry. Segway. And not the little machine that you ride around on. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Well, we were talking about Flag's later years and coming up with really cool... Designs for small houses, not tiny houses, just small houses. And this book came out in 1922, and it's called Small Houses, Their Economic Design and Construction. So he collaborated with builders across the country to construct homes based on this book. So I guess he was able to market himself as well. And you can buy this book today and build your own responsible small house, not tiny house, because no one can live like that, really, hipsters. Between 1924 and 1926, over two dozen flag homes were built in Milwaukee alone. I do not know why Milwaukee. I did not look into that, but there was a cute little blog with pictures of these still extant homes. Probably for all the brewery workers. It's actually not a bad theory. I have those on occasion. Hmm. So, and there's lots of them, and I think they're like land, I don't know if they're landmark, but they're somehow protected, and they are, they remain largely intact. So, he, Flag devoted the end of his career and his life to multifamily housing, co-ops, apartments, 
Good for him. Um, that kind of thing. I'm kind of fascinated by the giant swing between this is the man that designed the tallest building in the world in 1908, and then he also designed these sweet practical cottages in the 20s. And I just, I don't know. I was just trying to think of another architect that is known for something of such a giant scale and also known for something we, whether it's, I mean, I guess some architects design memorials, but I mean like a habitable structure, like who else designs both skyscrapers and, you know, thousand square foot, not mass produced, but sort of available design, design for the everyday. Yeah. I mean, it. yeah, not a lot of architects can do both. So to close the loop of Flag, because I just thought Flag was interesting. I mentioned that he lived over a period of 90 years. So remember that he was born in 1857 in Brooklyn, and he dies in February of 1857, and he dies in April of 1947. So he lives through the Civil War, both World Wars, the Great Depression, and then he's able to benefit from every invention that comes between the mid-19th century to the mid-20th century. That just blows my mind. Doesn't doesn't it, though? Like, how... So he lived... Like, my parents were born when he died. Mm -hmm. And he lived through the Civil War. And he wasn't, like, a a wee babe. Like, he was already... Because the Civil War is 1861, it starts. So he's... Well, okay, so he's four or five. But not, like, tiny. Like, he's not just born. Like, he... I don't know. It was crazy. Like, he was eight when it ended. So, yeah. Ernest Flagg. Okay, so the building... Flagg was a necessary tangent... Because he is great, and I think that everyone should check out this book, Small Houses, Their Economic Design and Construction, because no one should live in a house bigger than 2,000 square feet. <laughs> no, I, I don't know. I'm just... Unless you, you've got I mean, just four in cats the, like me. I'm just in the mood to, like, pare down, and I find I mean, it hard to is, let go. Your house is not that huge. Though. It's not. It's less than, it's like a thousand fifty square feet. Yeah. yeah. So the little singer, right? Little singer, Art Nouveau in Art Nouveau fashion. It, it includes uh, terracotta, decorative terracotta panels and red brick, ironwork, and these are all hung from a steel structure. Banks of windows are recessed from the iron balconies and they give the street elevation a more transparent quality than its neighbors. So you don't have like solid, most most solid, and then like some voids for the windows. If you see the structure, the ironwork, of course, is very transparent. It all looks very light. And then you just have a five bay width of windows all across the front with really no like interruption in between. So it, it looks fairly transparent. But Lil Singer building is still there. It is still there. Okay. Exactly. And it's it was just... I think they had a restoration like about a decade ago, I want to say. It's super cool. Bowen Levine Architects can look them up too. The building is artist studios and so it's a co-op so you can live there but there's also like studios so the little singer is this beautiful like bright green color and then you have you know the terracotta so it's a very cool color scheme forest green yeah and it really stands out against so on one side you have a more traditional classical kind of stone veneer building and then the other side is a really really weird like maybe 1980s like I can't really decide what's going on there there are like these white but there's no detail there are these odd white columns that may or may not be like fake stucco and it's like either red and white or pink and white it's not a good building so the little singer like for sure stands out as this really well designed nice building I mean it literally looks like it belongs in Paris it does It, it absolutely does So, of all the lovely detail that graces both the Broadway and Prince Street facades of the Little Singer building, I'm sorry, all of the detail is suspended from a structural steel steel frame. The Broadway facade is 50 feet wide, and the Prince Street facade is 37 feet wide, and still features the large iron letters at the second floor that spell out Singer Manufacturing Company. The structural facades can actually be considered precursors to the glass curtain walls found in World War II era skyscrapers. This L-shaped building was a highly inventive structural achievement at the time. The Little Singer looks very much ahead of its time. It's good genes thanks to the innovative architecture and its stunningly maintained appearance due to an 
a recent rehabilitation that I just mentioned. Since 1979, it has been a co-op that combines 20 offices and 15 live-work artist units. Unlike the later Singer Tower that Flagg designed, the Little Singer has the great achievement of still standing. As the original building constructed for the Singer Company, the Little Singer housed offices on the upper floors and showroom space on the lower floors. I'm guessing that after the business moved out, the building was fairly easily filled with other tenants and walls constructed in a former factory space or showroom space to create even more leasable units. It's a lot more difficult to fill a 41-story building, but regardless of the vacancy percentage, the 1967 demolition of the Singer Tower was obviously a huge loss to the Manhattan skyline as well as a blow to the preservation community. But we can be thankful that the Little Singer is still standing and maintained and used. So, and on that note... A 2,300-square-foot loft came on the market in the building for $6.25 million. Oh, Jesus. Wait, how many square feet? 2,300 square feet. And it looks like it's, like, at the top because you can see the arch. Oh, my gosh. It's gorgeous. (gasps) Oh, my gosh. I'd pay, yeah, I think I would pay $6.25 million for that. That is amazing. It's pretty beautiful. It's, yeah. 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 Definitely. Okay. (laughs) Winner. Although that bathroom's kind of weird. Oh, I didn't see the bathroom. I just saw the looks living like, space. Looks like carved rock walls. It's oh, very strange. Mm, I'm not... No. It's like concrete everywhere. The final perk of this pet-friendly space is an 874-square-foot private roof area. Pri- Wait, I I read... Because one of the places was in there was for rent, and it was 15000 a month, and it said no roof deck. But maybe they mean, like, it's not... It, Unless you live there, you don't have access to the roof. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So, this is the floor plan. The living room, I mean, it's it's literally like a loft, so very little, or very few walls. The living room is 45 feet by 16 feet. <laughs> is this the one for sale? Yeah. So, that's what you just showed me. Yeah. That's a very odd floor plan. It is. It's like... It's very open. So you walk in and it's kind of just, you look straight back through this whole bank of windows, right? And then it turns. So it's kind of L-shaped or it's more like a straight on rectangle with a little like er, off to the side, like sort of a little nugget. Yeah. Which is like, there's presumably the, is that live, is that the bedroom or no, that's just a. Another part of the living space. Sleeping area, when you walk right through the front door, it looks like it has probably a sliding wall. Yeah. And then there's supposed to be So your bedroom has no windows? Yeah. That's odd. So all your windows are towards the front, the the street, and you... But I mean, it's literally a wall window, so... Yeah. You have no windows anywhere but your living space. None in the bathroom, none in the I mean, you could roller skate in that thing. Pretty crazy. You could. So yeah, you can Google that and it'll come up. And they also... Looks like Curbed New York has some coverage on it as well. Also, one of the sources that I consulted for my part was the IceMax International... Which is like the International Society of Sewing Machine Enthusiasts oh, or something. It's funny. I have, to, I have to look it up. I, to, I love it. Yeah, it was um, apparently a thing. It's like, huh. So, and then of course collect, they would talk about Singer. And yeah. The, sure, it's for people sure. who collect historic sewing machines. Oh. I can't really make fun since I used to collect historic toasters. So, there you go. That. Seems just as impractical. Yeah, that's pretty... Unless you're making avocado toast all the time, and unless you're sewing all the time, I don't know why you would need more than right one or two. I mean, I know different sewing machines do different stuff. You can't, you know, or you need different needles or whatever. Yeah, I prefer to sew by hand. I just prefer not to sew. Sew it all? <laughs> I prefer to order my clothes or <laughs> shop for them. I was seriously thinking about trying to sew a dress, a skirt. I was looking for like a taffeta A-line, black taffeta A-line skirt. And so not like petticoat poofy, but no, you know. No, just, but it stands out. Yeah. It, it has a, right. And I couldn't right. find one anywhere. And so mm-hmm. I was literally about to the point where No I was one like, uses taffeta anymore. Yeah. Like that was my, that was, I guess, a kind of an 80s thing. I remember having a taffeta dress. Yeah. That I mean, my mom and my mom sewed my clothes as well. So I had special dresses that were made by her. I did finally find one through J.C. Penney of all places. Really? Yeah. 
It's sitting at the Northwoods Mall. Penny still exists. It does. Or rather, they still so close. It's sitting at Northwoods Mall, and they're threatening to send it back because I haven't come to get it yet. Because who wants to drive the Northwoods Mall? No one does. Why don't they just ship it? Because I'm cheap, and it was free to ship to the store. Oh, no, I get that. Shipping is the worst. It is. It's ridiculous. Anyway, did you have anything else about Isaac? Or we're going to continue about Isaac and all talk about the the skyscraper. Oh, okay. So basically what we're going to do, the next two episodes are going to follow two of the singer children. Just two? Yeah. Out of what? 18? Uh, there ended up being 24 all No! Yes. I, is that true? Yes, 24 children. So, he, yes, he goes He goes on... Um, is that guaranteed? Isaac is not done after all these women woes in New York. He ends up moving to Europe and cutting right. us a new swath there. Yeah. Uh, and having, Plus, when he was an actor, I guess there's no guarantee yeah, no. that he didn't have more illegitimate children, yeah. children by yeah, he, he women he found on tour. Yes, so, exactly. Yeah. But uh, we'll be talking about two of the children who were from his last marriage. Paris Singer. Yeah. Who created Singer Island. And also Winnaretta Singer, who had a very interesting life and many houses. So we'll, she had a, an Italian palazzo yeah. and a house in Paris. So yeah. we'll be bringing you lots of juicy architecture along with more scandal. Yeah. To think, yeah. Yay. Yeah. Sorry for the long hiatus. Yeah, I do. I do. I've missed it. We've missed it. We have. We've missed you. I actually did print out a, a newspaper article. Thank God you didn't read that. Um. Yeah, and I was just like sitting here and I was like, how did people even read this? I don't know. I brought my sexy glasses and now I can't find them because I was going to need them. Because I tried on a pair of readers at the grocery, no lie, and I was like... I can pull off glasses. I'm, I love glasses. <laughs> I, I want to be They're like, like plus one. I mean, I don't need them, but. That's what my, my. I could read better. They have a thing where like, read this without the glasses and read them, read it with the glass. I could read it better with the glasses on. And I could for sure read that. You guys, Caroline's basically reading like microfiche. Well, yeah, I was just going to say. So this was from a, I found a good one for you. I know how you like the weird newspapers in the tiny towns. I love the weird newspapers. The Butler Citizen from Butler, Pennsylvania. I love it. And I mean, it is literally like seven point type. You can't. You can't. No, that's like five. You can't. You know, it's probably like a whole over the fold newspaper fold Mm -hmm. of, you know, four columns talking about the whole thing with his sewing machine singer's varied wedlock. Among the passengers who mounted by gangplank to the deck of the steamship Britannic lying at wharf in New York Harbor lately was a tall, slim man. Okay, apparently he... He was slim? Apparently... <laughs> I thought he was big. He was a big guy. <laughs> his, like, the portrait that you see of him from his later life, he could... But that's how they write. It's very wordy. So they're just yeah. talking about him yes. getting on the ship. Was a tall, slim man with clean-shaven face and deep-set gray eyes... Drowned entirely in a black soft crowned hat resting on abundant snow white hair. Followed by 12 children. <laughs> that was another one where they said he actually invented an omnibus to carry around all the kids. Oh my God. <laughs> it was That's like the so first amazing. school bus. It was like a yellow omnibus. It was hor- yeah, dri- driven by horses. It was great. Oh, I'm wrong. This is not even Singer. Well, this was one of his. I liked pretending it was. His kid. Oh. I think. On the passenger list, he was designated as D. Hawley, and to most of his fellow voyagers, B. undoubtedly would remain only D. Hawley during this voyage. Yet David Hawley, lawyer of Yonkers, although not a wealthy man, has distributed more than $9.3 million among 25 persons in the past two years. As the surviving executor of the will of Isaac Merrick Singer, the millionaire investor, our inventor of the Singer sewing machine, he offered the will for probate, opposed a contest against it, made a satisfactory compromise, defended two suits against him by legates, settled all accounts against the estate, distributed the bequest as directed in the will, and recently filed his final accounting in the surrogate's court in White Plains, Westchester County, New York. 
Those are all words that are in English, and I did not understand anything <laughs> that you just said. I don't know. It's like, they stream Like, I don't, I don't know what you just said at all. Because you went from a steamship and luggage to an executor. So, basically, and that like was legalese. Like, so, fat, yo, uh, it was the fake out. Holly. We're going to pretend this is Singer. Oh, no, it's actually the, the lawyer who's distributing all the money for Singer who's dead. Oh, so this is after, he dies in what, 1870-something? 76, I think. Yeah, okay. So yeah, so apparently they were still just getting good good stuff off of the whole sordid affair. Alright. But yeah, fun stuff. I'll have more fun stuff next week. There was a a really great one that I found from the 19-teens talking about all the scandals that Paris gets involved in. Paris is the person, is Is the the son's name? Yes. I mean, come on now. And okay, sneak peek. He was the he was the lover of Isadora Duncan. That's what I re- okay yeah. okay. Who I was read a that famous ballet dancer. dancer. Yeah. Sure. Okay. I so. did. I read that. I read sort of tidbits of things so I would be somewhat aware. Yeah. So there you go. Okay. <laughs> Probably we're going to stretch this out for you guys. So so join okay. us in two weeks. Yeah. For the next installment of the Singer Family Saga. And I will. Talk about a very sad loss for preservation even after the landmarks ruling was passed, protecting historic structures in Manhattan, in New York. Boo New York. Well, well, but kind of boo everywhere. So That's true. Good you know, point. Preservation is a struggle. Until then, make sure to check us out on Facebook and Instagram. And I'm assuming that you've already found us if you're listening to us. Uh, listening to us, but we are all on the major podcasting platforms. Apple Podcasts, uh, iHeartRadio, Stitcher. Sorry, Tune we in. don't write back to you on Facebook. Um, No, we do. I don't. Okay, I do. Okay. Yeah, I try You should to. be the only admin. If you write Although, to us on Instagram, that is sort of where most of my focus is. Okay, there you go. And... Thank you to the one million and a half bots Listeners. who have oh. liked our page in the last <laughs> two months. Um, we have a very international audience. I've noticed because it says names I can't pronounce, right. likes or is following your scandal sheets. Yeah, yeah. That's interesting. Yes, it is very interesting. Apparently, um, international bots like scandal. Okay. And then they send us random two-word messages as well. Who doesn't like scandal? I know, exactly. So... Okay. Fun times. Yep. Happy Thanksgiving. Uh, this is already over After with. the fact. After the fact. What else did we miss? We missed Halloween. Halloween was great. Yeah. Lots of fun. Christmas is coming. Happy Hanukkah. Oh, I thought of a brilliant idea on my way over here. We need a Scandal Sheets Christmas tree with pictures. Oh, I like all it. All the, like... I like it. Bad people. <laughs> yeah. No, that's... <laughs> or not so bad people. I have another tree that we can do that with. But so... I, I have a silver tree. Yeah. You have a silver tree, yeah. too? It, yeah, it's... Yeah, it's because we both feet. like mid-century modern yeah. stuff, so we, yeah. of course we have silver trees. Okay, we've talked too long in general. Yeah, we have. Oh, well. Okay. It was... Yeah, we were getting it back into the groove. We, we are... I, right. I Yeah. Our, our New Year's resolution is to talk less. <laughs> it is. <laughs> we had good content, though, so I feel yeah. comfortable with our, with our scandal sheets... Um, reintroduction reintroduction to listening podcast listening society right yeah our scandalistas which are actually women but we do have a couple guys i think who do listen so i think i think we do yeah yeah Yeah. so until next time yep ta-ta for now good night Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. 
No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.